Hey everybody, this is Armando Torres and you're listening to the show before the show. And I'm Paige Wesley. And with us we have... Sadness and swastikas <laughs> on cokes. Yeah, and a lot of that's going to make sense real quick into this episode. Um, we are getting into part four of uh, our series on the Nazis, and today we are covering uh, the rise of the Nazi party. And I don't think I have to say this, but just in case, it gets a little bummery at the end. Um, it's like the worst party ever. Yeah. Oh, the Nazi party kind of fucking blows, dude. They don't even have chips and no one brought ice. Yeah. And it's also like, I didn't want to say it. It's a lot of white people. All their potato salad is bland. I, I just got to say, awful lot of white people in the Nazis, <laughs> huh? <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, but it's still a good episode, and I hope that you enjoy it. Uh, Before we start, we have some news, and uh, you know what? We've got some reviews. Uh, The first news is that uh, we have a uh, a Patreon. Breaking news. (laughs) (laughs) You can go to patreon.com slash cult podcast. Check out all the fun rewards that we have there. Uh, You can also uh, listen to the show on Rooster Teeth. Oh, no, wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, you can go to roosterteeth.com, download the app on your Amazon Fire Stick, your Roku television, your Xbox, your fucking mobile device, all that good stuff. Listen to all the fun shows that they have there, including our own. Uh, and you know what? Because we haven't done it in a while, let's read a five-star review. This one comes to us from Seaborn1994, and they say, Makes my workday bearable. I recently found out about you guys, and I can't stop listening now. You guys make my workday bearable and keep me entertained. Keep keep the awesome content coming. Aw, thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, Really, really love it. I love the five-star reviews, and it, uh, you know, means a lot to us. So thank you for that. Um, yeah, and I'm going to say without any further ado, let's hop into the show. Hello. 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 Don't drink the Kool-Aid. For the purposes of this podcast, we define a cult as organizations that rally behind an entity or leader who espouse beliefs outside the norm. Organizations that require physical or monetary sacrifice as a condition of membership. Organizations in which the doctrines followed by the leaders are different than that of the followers. Organizations in which isolation is encouraged either by commune living or by a policy of disconnection from outside relationships. And organizations that actively recruit new members. All cults might have some or all of these traits. And as always, these these are are our opinions. opinions. Thank you for tuning into Cult Podcast. I'm Paige Wesley. And I'm Armando Torres. And with us, we have stolen artifacts. <laughs> oh, we sure do. Um, God, it's a little unethical archaeology this week, I imagine. Yeah, but this is a fun one where, uh, uh, you know, Indiana Jones pops up and steals a lot of them back. I'm ready for melting faces, man. I am excited. (laughs) Melting faces and that time that Hitler was shot to death in that theater, but then also lived and escaped to, like, you know, Argentina. I'm here for all of it. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's uh, we're back with the Nazis part four. Yeah, I feel like uh, the last... I don't know, month of my life. I mean, that that is realistically what's happened. The, the last month of my life has revolved around the Nazis. <laughs> and it's, <laughs> That's uh, an upsetting, upsetting sentence. Yeah, it's a weird headspace to put you in. And I'm not trying to say like I'm not doing well or anything. I'm okay. Uh, but it, it, it is super weird to just like dive head deep or head deep? Balls deep. Yeah, I'm getting <laughs> head balls first, deep. balls deep. Yeah. It's weird to dive shaft first into the Nazis. <laughs> I don't know how anyone would do that. You like bend it in the center. Yeah, you, and you gotta it fold it. It hurts a oh, lot. Um, <laughs> it's it's weird to just dive into them and then try to have a normal conversation with somebody. Right, right. 
Right. Oh, yeah. I saw I saw a girl for the first time in like a, a few months. I saw a specific girl, not just like any girl. Like I haven't <laughs> seen a woman in months. No, I I saw uh I saw the girl that I'm dating after not seeing her in person for a while, and she was like, "So what have you been up to?" And I was like, "Well, let me fucking tell you <laughs> about a man named Dietrich Eckhart and a play called Pierre Git." Okay. <laughs> So, you know, things are going well, is what mm-hmm. I'm saying. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And we are going to continue that, and hopefully we will be done soon. But I've been having a good time covering this this group. They're, uh, it's a real interesting story, to say the least. And uh, it's interesting to see a man go from being a shitty dude with a real horny family to being seen <laughs> as like a fucking god. <laughs> Right, right, right. So before we get into it this week, uh, we have our sources, which are Mein Kampf by Adolf Hitler. Uh, We have Hitler, A Study in Tyranny by Alan Bullock. We have The Rise and Fall of the Third Reich by William L. Shire. We have The Mind of Adolf Hitler by Walter C. Langer. And we have Hitler by Ian Kershaw. We also have an article on the history of the swastika by the BBC. Uh, And additionally, I have another correction uh, to to a, a previous uh, sources that we made, uh, I f- believe in episode one, something that I was made aware of, uh, we uh, gave credit to Philosophy Tube, and I talked about Philosophy Tube a little bit and how much I like the channel. Uh, I accidentally dead named the host of the show. Uh, oh, no. uh, yeah, my apologies. The the reason behind it is because I watched an older episode uh, about Kant specifically before and the hadn't host watched had, a current one. Exactly, it was before the host had transitioned, so I was not aware that the host had had transitioned. And I just want to say, deepest apologies. I never, it, it, it's never my intention to dead name somebody or to make somebody feel uncomfortable. Uh, so yeah, my deepest apologies, Philosophy Tube excellent youtube channel uh go check them out go watch all of the stuff that they put out really 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 great stuff so yeah those are our sources that's one correction i wanted to get out of the way i forgot to do it last week so uh yeah without any further ado let's hop into this episode so last week we covered three of the biggest factors that played into the nazis rise to power the fact that losing world war one came as a surprise to most germans the stabbed-in-the-back myth that took hold over the country, and Dietrich Eckhart's mentorship, which included lessons like it's okay to commit unspeakable crimes if you do it for the sake of Germany. Oh, no. But yes, I remember that from last week. Yeah. When we left off, Adolf Hitler had just taken control of the German Workers' Party and was implementing some major changes. Apparently, his first act as leader was to pull off a bit of a rebranding. He wanted to change the group's name, logo, and their platform, which sounds goofy until you remember that before this, Adolf Hitler was basically working as a graphic designer. Like, that was, he was just kind of their marketing guy. So, it makes sense. He renamed the group to the National Socialist German Workers' Party, or the Nazis for short. He also drew up a symbol that would forever be linked to the Nazi party. A black swastika rotated slightly in a white circle surrounded by red. However, as we learned in episode two, originality when it comes to art was never one of Hitler's strong suits. (laughs) Basic. Yeah, it's not a surprise. He straight up stole the logo. Plagiarist ass bitch. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he's not, he's a fine artist, I guess, but he's not, he's not an original works kind of guy, you know? Right. So the swastika is a symbol that dates all the way back to prehistoric times. It has been found on the tombs of early Christians. Uh, in Hinduism, it represents the god of the sun. And even as far back as 7,000 years ago, the swastika was present in ancient Eurasia as a sign of well-being. But in the 20th century, the swastika was just as popular as ever. The symbol was used in textiles, it was implemented into architecture, and even featured prominently in branding and advertising. Jeez. Yeah, Coca-Cola used the swastika in their 1913 ad campaign called Drink a Coke and Be Lucky. No, what? okay, hold on, hold on. I'm looking this up right now. Yeah, go ahead, Google it. It's The, the full campaign is Drink a Bottle of Coca-Cola and Be Lucky. 
1913 advertisement. There's a there's four little swastikas on the advertisement. There's also there's like 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 keychains and stuff. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh my god. Oh, I found it. I found exactly the one. Oh my goodness. Oh no. Yeah, look at those cute little swastikas. Oh jeez. Oh my goodness. So I did some digging into it and apparently the promotion was that if you found a bottle cap with a swastika on it, you could win a whole dollar. They're like, thanks for rounding up all these bottles that hate the Jews. <laughs> Yeah. Also, funny enough, if you found a swastika in your bottle cap today, you would win a hell of a lot more money. That I mean, yeah. My point is, is that everyone from Coca-Cola to cigarette companies to fruit companies to the fucking Boy Scouts use the swastika as a symbol. In fact, the British Boy Scouts didn't stop using the swastika until something like 1945. <laughs> They're like currently being bombed. Like, I, hey, we shouldn't change it. Tradition. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, that's nonsense. The Nazis appropriating the design was less of a rebrand and more like what modern alt-right groups did with Pepe the Frog. The swastika was basically just a fucking meme. And they took it and were like, it's ours now. Um, it's just something that I think is really funny to sort of point out. It's the fact that the far-right does this a lot yeah i mean dating all the way back to the nazis it's just fucking crazy um yeah there is there is there are no shortage of companies that you can find whose even name is swastika there used to be the swastika fruit company uh the virginia tobacco company used to use swastikas as their logo um as we covered before with the ouija board the swastika comp uh, novelty company was the name of you know the people mm -hmm. who made the first ouija board um also something that i've learned is that swastika is a, a, a name in some places in india it's a it's a female name so like you know oh. it's very it's a very common thing it means good luck uh and they just sort of co-opted it and took it for their own but perhaps the most important change that adolf made was to the group's political platform after World War I, there were a ton of far-right groups who were complaining about how bad Germany sucked. I mean, remember that before Hitler came along, the German Workers' Party was just a bunch of railway workers getting drunk and talking shit after they clocked out. Yes. But in his speeches, Adolf pointed at actionable items that he believed would make Germany great again. He wanted to overturn the Treaty of Versailles. What? Reunite the Germanic people under one unified Germany and also promised to strip Jews of their citizenship. <laughs> Fucking jeez. Like, first of all, hey, hey, dude, you need to reevaluate the feasibility of these goals. Yeah. But also, secondly, these are all shitty goals. Yeah, they're very, very, very shitty ideas. Um, I mean... <laughs> If you think about it, they're pretty on par with like, I'm going to build a wall and kick all the Muslims out. You know, it's, they're yeah. big lofty ideas that in his mind is like, oh, this is going to fix everything. But when you look at the feasibility of it, like you said, it's it's almost fucking impossible unless you are a true real life supervillain, which um, conveniently enough. Yeah. Spoiler alert. <laughs> he is. Mm hmm. So at this point in history, Germany was allowed to have the smallest, most basic-ass army ever. And as we saw last week with secret agent Hitler, a majority <laughs> of the army's duties were centered around protecting the power of the Weimar Republic. Mm -hmm. That meant that if you were the leader of an opposing political party, you had to provide your own protection. Oh, no. Because of this, political parties having their own paramilitary groups was extremely common. It was just sort of the thing that everybody did, which was just kind of hilarious. Like, imagine if the, I don't know, the fucking Democratic Party just had a military at their disposal. I mean, like, I feel like the last couple of years would have been very different yeah. um, in a terrifying way. Like, I don't think it's good for anybody. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I think this I, is bad all around. I'm just speaking uh, as an American who I don't know. I don't know if I would have any particular experience with this, but I'm just, I'm just sort of theorizing that I could imagine that a uh, a racist far right group having a paramilitary uh, uh, base 
would be not great, especially if they were, I don't know, going to do something like storm a Capitol building. Or, or like blow up a giant building in Oklahoma City. Um, you yeah, know, like yeah. you know, that kind of shit. Yeah, maybe political parties shouldn't have paramilitary groups, just saying. Yeah. But back in the day, because, you know, you had to provide protection from the military, it was extremely common for most political parties to have their own paramilitary group. The Communist Party of Germany had the Alliance of Red Front Fighters. The German National People's Party had the Steel Helmets and the League of Front Soldiers, which just sound like two bands that are definitely opening up for fish. <laughs> League of Front Soldiers is definitely opening up for fish. League of Back Soldiers is a brilliant drag queen challenge name. <laughs> and oh. I'm here for both of it. Uh, <laughs> like, if you, I mean... A military-themed drag queen named Rear Admiral? Yes. <laughs> work. I love that. Uh, and similarly, the Nazis had the Storm Detachment led by the ominous Storm Troopers, a.k.a. the S.A. Oof. Man, I did not expect for Django Fett and Boba Fett to get involved in this conflict. <laughs> But here we are. I mean, though, as I was fucking researching this episode, I realized that Emperor Palpatine is just space Hitler. There's literally, <laughs> he commits genocide in the movies. Yeah, like, it's not true. even that much of a stretch. He blows up Alderaan. Yeah, exactly. He's fucking space Hitler. Yeah, he is space Hitler. Ugh, stupid. Stupid space Hitler. Stupid fucking space Hitler with his lightning hands. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's fucking crazy. Like, I, part of this episode uh, and the past episodes that we've done, I've been kind of scared that I've been humanizing Hitler and the Nazi Party. But then I remember mm -hmm. that if you just describe Hitler without really even exaggerating a little bit, it is completely unclear if I'm talking about Adolf Hitler or Chancellor Palpatine. <laughs> His fucking chancellor. I just put that together. Literally. He's space. Okay. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Emperor Palpatine is space Hitler. Great. Perfect. Uh, sorry. Fear Palpatine, if you will. Fear Palpatine. <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, Hitler had the SA, a.k.a. the Storm Detachment, although the Storm Detachment was the result of uh, Hitler's rebranding, because before settling on the name, the group was called the Meeting Hall Protection Detachment. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's a, a town hall meeting concerning signs and crosswalks and repainting them near the park. Uh, we're here to make sure no shit goes down. <laughs> Hey, man, did you see that guy? That fucking meeting hall protection detachment guy? I think I'm going to give him a wedgie. I think I'm going to fucking wedgie <laughs> this nerd. Yeah. You see his fucking banner? Like his badge and his like yeah, his sash? He has a sash that just says hall monitor on. <laughs> yeah, meeting protector. I'm just picturing, I don't know if you watch what we do in the shadows, but I'm just picturing a bunch of Colin Robinsons. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. Oh, my God. That is what a majority of them feel like. It's fucking goofy. But if you think that's fucking goofy, for some unknown reason, after they were the meeting hall protection detachment, they went by the gymnastics and sports division. Well, now I'm just thinking it's Jim Cotta. <laughs> that's equally bonkers. Yeah, there's there's been a, a, a bit of debate over this. People think that they went by the gymnastics and sports division so that the government wouldn't think they were a military. Um, <laughs> Meanwhile, it's just a bunch of Jean-Claude Van Damme's doing the splits on chairs. Yeah. Like, they could totally fuck you up, but they're just like... No, we are just into the gymnastics. Yeah, it's, it's like, hey, man, I don't really watch the Olympics, but I don't think you're supposed to do a pole vault with a fucking gun, my guy. <laughs> I do watch the Olympics, and I specifically watch men's gymnastics because I think they're super hot. And then it's like, standing at five foot four, and I'm like, whoa, wait, what? <laughs> Uh, that's like almost a Joe Rogan. Yeah, it's almost as tall as Joe Rogan. Yeah, it's a little taller even. So the Stormtroopers, who again, they went by the SA, they were a rowdy and often drunk group made up of mostly former soldiers. 
I mean, Adolf had a fucking Rolodex filled with people who had lost their jobs after the war and who hated Jews and communists as much as he did. It's not really a surprise that these angry idiots flock to join the Nazi party, uh, because as we've seen here in America, that's just what they do, baby. I mean, this sounds like a veterans hall. Like, you and I have both done comedy shows oh, at, yeah. like, veterans halls and stuff, and this is what that sounds like. It's just, like, rowdy, half of them are now bikers. <laughs> it's, like, the whole thing. <laughs> they give you spaghetti that's surprisingly good, but you don't want to ask too many questions. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and also just how many times... Oh my god, I'm sorry, I was about to make a point and then I remembered every time I've ever bombed in front of a guy who's just like, I fucking killed for your freedom, you piece <laughs> of shit. I lost my neg- legs and numb for you to come here and talk about dicks and weed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> fucking sucks, but also like, thank you for your service. I just, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for your service. I'm sorry I can only repay you with references to shows in the 90s. <laughs> exactly it's just like why me why did you pick me i don't know it's fine. <laughs> but also just doing this podcast like how many times have we been like and then after the war all of these military men needed to get drunk and hang out together so they started something that eventually became the clan or they started something that eventually became the nazi yeah like it fucking mm-hmm. continuously happens because ptsd is real and we need to take care of our veterans so this kind of shit doesn't happen just yeah like- yeah they fucking they didn't know they called ptsd shell shock back then and they were just like oh yeah he's got the thousand yard stare again just put a beer in his hand and give him a gun again we're gonna treat this shell shock with stuffed shells and marinara you know what i'm talking about come to our pasta social down at the veterans hall oh yep he's shell shocked again won't stop talking about these four teenage turtles that live in the sewers and like <laughs> pizza he's shell shocked he walked into the bathroom and was surprised we had toilet paper and not the three shells <laughs> Won't shut the fuck up about Shredder. All right, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. Also, like, I, I mean, the so after after the war, after the World War One, and uh, because of the Treaty of Versailles, the German military was only allowed to have something like a hundred thousand soldiers, um, which is a lot. But before that, it was like millions of people. So. All of those soldiers lost their fucking jobs. And then, of course, basically after they came home, they still wanted to have that lifestyle. So they all just joined these different paramilitary groups. If you were liberal, you probably joined a communist group or a social democrat group. If you were conservative, you probably joined one of the many far-right paramilitary groups. It's just kind of what people did. Having a paramilitary group of your political party, like I said, it's not uncommon. But... What made the SA stand apart from their contemporaries was the leadership of Adolf Hitler. He didn't want to use the SA for protection. He was planning on making them fight in a new war against the Weimar Republic. And step one was what he called the Beer Hall Coup. Ooh. Now question. If corporations had their own paramilitary associations, Mm -hmm. whose would you join? Well, I'm contractually obligated to fight for Warner Media. <laughs> no, that's true. Uh, but like, if that wasn't the case, are you going to take up the battle for Domino's or like, oh, you know, fuck, who are we man. fighting? I feel like you know me. I did just order Domino's pizza last night. I'm sure you did. I ordered a pizza because I was like, I don't, I don't want to cook. I don't want to do anything. I'm supposed to be healthy, but you know what? I'm going to give myself one last hurrah, eat one pizza. And I did better. Instead of eating a whole pizza in one night, I just ordered like, I ordered a small pizza and I ate two slices and then I saved it for today and I ate two slices this morning. Um, and also moderation Domino's sent me a free pizza, like an extra pizza on top of my order. They said like, I got the notification. They were like, surprise, we're going to give you an extra free thing. And I was like, you fucking assholes. I'm trying. (laughs) If I wanted another pizza, I would order another pizza. They're just courting you for their front line against Pizza Hut in the war of the pizza conglomerations. I would fucking kill for to to stop pizza hut from existing i fucking hate pizza Hut. <laughs> so you are gonna join domino's ranks got it got yeah. it got it got it <sighs> i'd fight for diet coke man <laughs> honestly i'd fight for del taco but none of us would make it out of the mess hall all of their soldiers no, constantly shitting themselves <laughs> yes i had del taco yesterday <laughs> <laughs> 
See, still feeling it. We know each other's fast food proclivities. <laughs> it's honestly, Del Taco is much more my husband's fast food proclivity, but I will eat there. So, you know. Yeah, it fucking slaps. And by slaps, I mean it, it enters my stomach and then slaps my bowels. It slaps my, bowels. my colon. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fucking high fives my asshole on the way out. Yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> accurate so on november 8th 1923 adolf and the sa stormed a political rally held at a beer hall in munich three thousand people had gathered to hear the state commissioner aka the leader of bavaria speak but instead hitler and his tipsy army of assholes rushed the stage with guns and announced that the revolution had begun it was time to take back germany the beer hall coup was planned by Adolf and his new best buddy, General Erich Ludendorff. And if that name sounds familiar, it's because General Ludendorff was one of the two generals that had gotten to Germany in this mess in the first place. That's right. Also, this is the beer hall push. Push. Pooch, yeah. Pooch, I can't pronounce it. That's probably why you went with coup. Yep. (laughs) I Googled it and it it means coup and I was like, great, because I don't know how to say that. (laughs) Great, because I can say coup. Yeah. I kept looking it up and I was just like, beer hall pussy? No, that's not right. Push. I always hear push, but I hear it from Americans, so. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that's how you are supposed to pronounce it, but I just like, like I said, I tried saying it three times and then went, nah, I'm just going to say coup. It's okay. It's okay. I'm just going to say coup. I got it. Thanks, Germany. (laughs) Guten Tag. (laughs) General Ludendorff was one of the two generals who who had gotten Germany into this mess in the first place, although... Hitler didn't know any of that because General Ludendorff had pinned it all on the easy scapegoat, a.k.a. the communists and the Jews. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, when Hitler approached him, it was like, hey, remember how like the Jews and the communists are the ones that fucked you over? And General Ludendorff was like, yeah, the communists and the Jews. Right. That right. sounds exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't hear it from me. <laughs> Wink. <laughs> yeah. So, of course, he was on board for this. And the plan was incredibly simple. The SA would capture the state commissioner, force him at gunpoint to agree that the Nazi party should lead Germany, and then have him walk the stormtroopers to the capital where the government would just hand over the keys to Hitler. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like a pretty simple, stupid plan, right? I mean, why why on earth would an armed group of a paramilitary right-wing organization be able to just storm the capital of a country and take it over? Am I right? Because they've been eating tactical bath salts, like whatever Alex Jones is telling them. But yeah, no, I, yeah, this is frustratingly familiar. Yeah. Oh, God, the sixth isn't only a couple days. Okay. <laughs> oh, my God, you're oh, right. Fuck. Fuck. Oh, God. But as we've covered already, General Ludendorff isn't really the best military strategist. Uh, the state commissioner agreed to Adolf's demands and then immediately changed his mind once there wasn't a gun pointed at his fucking face. Yeah, because he's not space Palpatine yet. Yeah, exactly. He hasn't attained all of his force powers. Yeah, exactly. If anything, this state commissioner, he's fucking Earth Lando Calrissian, basically. <laughs> the deal has changed. Yeah. <laughs> so when the SA tried to storm the Capitol, they were met with gunfire. 16 Nazis and four police officers were killed in the failed coup, and Hitler was promptly arrested. In a twist that would surprise no one, General Ludendorff pinned the whole thing on the Nazis and was acquitted (laughs) in his trial. Okay, that guy's kind of fun. (laughs) He's a slippery snake, but like... You gotta admire the moxie at a certain point. Yeah, he's just, you're never gonna get him for anything. He's just gonna keep doing the same move. I mean, it worked once. Why not do it again? And clearly it worked again. Clearly so. it worked again, yeah. Yeah, instead of facing any punishment, he was seen as an unwilling participant and would even go on later to get elected into government. Just a oh. year later, by the way. Good going, Ted Cruz. Yeah, <laughs> he's kind of a fucking dickhead. Like, it, But also, like you said, Fucking, it's kind of fun. It's kind of fun to watch him just snake around and fuck Germany up forever. I mean, it's not 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 fun in the sense of haha. Fun in the sense of oh no, like, exactly. Yeah. So Adolf was not so lucky. 
He was found guilty of high treason and sentenced to five years in Landsberg prison. However, remember how a bunch of soldiers just lost their job after the war? Yep. It turns out that a bunch of them found work doing related jobs, including guarding prisons. (laughs) Oh, no. Hitler's time in Landsberg was closer to a mildly inconvenient vacation. He continued to run the Nazi party from his cell, which was, again, less of a cell and more of just like a hotel room. Uh, And he even found time to write a book. He called it Mein Kampf or My Struggle. Although the original title was Four and a Half Years of Struggle Against Lies, Stupidity, and Cowardice. He's not good with branding. No, no. It's a title that's so long and dumb, it sounds like the name of a Father John Misty song. It's just, (laughs) it's fucking stupid and pretentious. It's got real panic at the disco (laughs) (laughs) energy. Like, darling, these tables are numbered and you're just like, stop it. Just stop. Just call it song two. I don't care. Yeah, exactly. Well, the thing is, is like Hitler probably would have gotten a, a, a lower uh, sentencing. But right before his trial, he looked at his lawyer and went, you're like a lawyer with all the ways you're trying to get me off. <laughs> That's a fallout boy song. But yes. <laughs> yes. I, they're all the same. I'm a <laughs> I'm a pop punk racist page. They all no. look the same. I mean, most we watched Jennifer's Body last night oh. for fun, and and that movie has real pop punk energy. There's mm-hmm. a whole lot of of mock, like subversive jokes about pop punk in it, and we had the time of our lives. We laughed quite a bit. There, uh, at 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 my work, uh, there's a guy named Justin, uh, and Justin is constantly apparently trying to get people to watch Jennifer's Body. Dude, it fucking slaps. Like I like I saw it in theaters. I liked it in theaters, and then no one else liked it. And I was like, am I crazy? This movie was fun as shit. Yeah. And then I have slowly made people watch it a little bit. And Jake had never seen it. So I was like, let's watch it. Because we had just watched Ginger Snaps, which is like Jennifer's body, pre-Jennifer's body. Uh, and we had a, a damn good time. Adam Brody's fucking hilarious in that movie. <laughs> it's good. I like Jennifer's body. Yeah. I, I Again, I had just watched it because Justin convinced me to, to, to watch it. He spent... A whole like lunch break explaining to me why Jennifer's body is like the greatest movie and why I have to watch it. And I was like, cool, cool yeah, classic. I'll check it out. This was a great organic conversation. And then I left <laughs> and I came back like the next day and he was having the exact same conversation with somebody else. I found out he's just been going around the office trying just to get people to watch people it. Yeah. To the religion of Jennifer's body. And he, I mean, he makes a great point. Like, it is a good movie. And he says that the reason that everyone didn't like it when it came out is because the marketing campaign for it made it seem yes. like it was Twilight for dudes. Absolutely. Not only that, it, it was coming right off of when Diablo Cody had written Juno. And mm-hmm. so I think everyone was like, well, she's an Oscar winner. And she just wanted to write a fun as shit horror movie for chicks. And that's what we got. And once people realized that's what it was... Then people liked it. But at the time, people were like, this isn't serious or this isn't what was marketed to us. I think they didn't really understand how to market it. Yeah. And so I'm glad it's found a second life as a cult classic. Yeah. Thanks to fucking Justin, dude. Me, here, me and Justin spreading the word. Out here doing the Lord's work or the devil's <laughs> work. I'm not really sure on that one. but I, I, I'll say the Lord's work. Because they fight the devil in that movie. They do. Whatever. They do. In a real gross fucking pool. Go watch Jennifer's Body. (laughs) If anything, Mm -hmm. you get to listen to Patrick Starr tell somebody that he's going to chop their nuts off and hang it to his door. (laughs) It's great. Yeah. It's really great. It's fucking awesome. Anyway, Mein Kampf, which was dedicated to Adolf's mentor, Dietrich Eckhart, served two purposes. Firstly, it lays out a heavily exaggerated origin story that paints Hitler the way he wanted to be seen, as the German messiah foretold by the Thule Society. He wasn't an ordinary man, he said. He was closer to some kind of German folk hero. Also probably left out all the parts about how his dad was fucking the whole country and then his fucking niece? Probably. I'm just going to assume. He's just like, I am Herr Sausage Meister. Don't look into my background. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I'm here to lead a hose in the people into the future. My mom is not my cousin. Don't look into it. It's not important. No, my eyes aren't too close together. <laughs> 
I talked to I talked to Andrea uh, recently. Uh, you know, and, you remember Andrea from work. Uh, <laughs> you remember Andrea from 150 episodes of this show. Yeah, I was talking to Andrea, and uh, and I and, and I told her about that. I was like, yeah. One one of the things that I wasn't super clear on was that Hitler's mom and dad were uncle and niece, and she goes, oh no oh no she told me that there is a very clear through line between uh, incest and genocide <laughs> she was like Ooh. and yeah which which w- that's when we came to the conclusion uh that the next adolf hitler is definitely coming from alabama so <laughs> um i w- my brain went i i finished witcher season two mm-hmm. recently and there is kind of a plot line kind of like that in season two where people have like hidden family histories uh, that cause them to commit genocide against people that are a lot like them. So weird. we'll just have to see what's up in season three. Interesting. Well, the second part of Mein Kampf uh, laid out Hitler's plans to transform Germany into a society based on race which was another idea that he borrowed from Dietrich and the Thule Society. In the book, he compares Jews to germs and claimed that the only solution was extinction. Just like his other policy ideas, he didn't really present an exact method on getting the job done, but he insisted that it was absolutely necessary. Unless we're dealing with spiders, I feel like extinction is never necessary. <laughs> the only, Here's the thing. First of all, you should never uh, make any people go extinct. I feel like I don't have to say that, but clearly I fucking do. So, yeah, never like people are people. Don't be an idiot. Don't be a Hitler. Hey, everybody. Yeah. The Colt Podcast's official stance. Don't be Hitler. Don't be Hitler, space or otherwise. Exactly. Yeah. Don't be space Hitler. Don't be Earth Hitler. And Elon Musk, I'm looking at you. Don't be fucking Mars Hitler. All right, bud? Yeah. Hey, asshole, we're watching you. That being said, kill all mosquitoes, all right? Fuck them. Fuck them up. Kill them to death. I want them dead on my office desk by Monday. This is my this is my task to every cult podcast listener. Go out there and kill as many mosquitoes as you can. Yeah, I'll take that. Yeah. I don't need mosquitoes. I'm not attached to them in any way. I initially started that as a joke, but now I'm just serious. Kill all mosquitoes. Anyway. I'm... I'm super allergic to mosquito bites. They swell up like golf balls. So yeah, kill them fuckers. Okay, cool. So we can be mosquito Hitler. I'll be mosquito Hitler. (laughs) Nobody isolate any of these audio, please. Thank you. (laughs) Please. So on December 20th, 1924, Adolf Hitler was released from prison early against the wishes of the state prosecutor. Apparently, his new buddies at Landsberg Prison decided that he had learned his lesson. Yeah, I guess there's something about writing a book on taking control of a country that just says, I'll never commit treason again. Hey, okay, hear me out. Mm -hmm. Not a huge fan, especially of privatized prisons. And I do think there is a very serious conversation we should have about prison reform. Absolutely. But that said, you don't just get to like let people out for no reason. (laughs) No, absolutely not. Especially when they don't. He served from the time that he was arrested to the time that he was let go. He served only a little under a year of a five-year sentence. And again, that little, that like part is from the time he got arrested, not the time that he entered prison. It's nothing. (laughs) It's fucking nothing. Are you kidding me? I mean, I'm more impressed that he wrote a book in that time. But it's like, okay, I, and and I know this wasn't the point you were trying to make. Yes, prison reform is important and we should not keep, uh, we should not, maybe not jail nonviolent criminals, especially when it pertains to fucking things like marijuana, where clearly. Where it's fucking legal now? Yes. Clearly they were wrong when they were uh, arrested. And, And I don't, I'm not saying the people who were jailed. I mean, the laws were wrong. Right. But Hitler fucking kidnapped the head of Bavaria and put a fucking gun to his head and got 20 people killed. All right. It's not like he was smoking a joint outside Venice. He's a fucking treasonous piece of shit. All right. I mean, this is also why I'm angry that we have not seen more movement on trials and prosecution of the people that participated in the January 6th. Yep. Yep. You know what? I'm just saying, you're setting precedents here, America. Yeah, it's not my precedents, so <laughs> it's fucking stupid. 
So, however, during the year that Hitler was in prison, Germany had chilled out significantly. In order to help pay back their debts, Germany took a loan from America. The economy was starting to stabilize, and as a result, German politics had become a lot less combative. It's kind of important to note here that the uh, the platform of make my country great again, that only works when things are real shitty. It's almost like any politician running on that platform is kind of taking advantage of fear and not going to do anything good. Yeah, yeah. I promise I'm 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 trying to stop comparing Hitler to Trump. I'm trying, but the the comparisons they're just maybe there. Trump shouldn't have done so much Hitler shit. Yeah, we wouldn't have to compare it. Fucking tiny baby Hitler, you fucking idiot! I don't know. That wasn't even baby clever. hand Hitler. <laughs> fucking acute angle Hitler, you weird standing <laughs> motherfucker. At least Hitler had his own hair. You wig wearing motherfucker. <laughs> You fucking swordfish balloon having suits untailored ketchup on your well done steak fake hair motherfucker. I'm glad you remember Trump and his and his father's weird promotional tactics. Weird swordfish balloons. It's one of my favorite things. Because uh, surprise, shit like that is gonna come into play this episode too. Of course it is. Yeah, the comparisons are there. I'm not looking for them. They just are. So Mm -hmm. lucky for Hitler, however. The 1930s aren't exactly remembered as being a cool, fun time. In October 1929, the U.S. stock market crashed and suddenly Big Daddy America was here to collect. Millions of Germans lost their jobs, their homes, and their life savings in what is now known as the Great Crash. And just like that, German politics were as toxic as ever again, baby. That's right. It's shitty again, baby. Suddenly, the days of moderates were gone and people flocked to either the far left or the far right. Meaning that if you wanted to see change in Germany, you either became a communist or a fascist. And wouldn't you know it, the Nazis were still the most popular far-right group in Germany, all thanks to their German messiah. So you might be wondering, right about now, how could half a country back fascism so hard? Well, at this point, Germany had been a democracy for about 12 years, and things just seemed to get progressively worse. The government was filled with elected officials who couldn't agree on shit, so things just didn't get done. And when they did get done, they were almost always horrible, bad things. Like taking a loan against America, who is the world's biggest loan shark, basically. Like, that's a bad plan. I live in America, and I don't want to owe them money either. Like, that's how they take down Al Capone, dude. Don't do that. The idea behind fascism was that if the country had a singular ruler whose only interest was restoring Germany to greatness, then everything would move a whole lot faster. And for the most part, the far right was split up into two groups. You had those that agreed with the Nazis on everything, especially the racism, and then you had those who just couldn't stand the liberals and the commies on the left. These people might not have been racist, but they thought that socialism, especially their specific brand of nationalistic socialism, was the only way that you could fix Germany. Um, Which is, again, something that we see all the time now here in America. Sometimes people will back an openly racist candidate just because they don't want to give it to the libs on the left. By 1932, the Nazis had become the biggest political party in the country. And trying to capitalize on their success, Adolf decided to run for president in that year's election. And the 43-year-old Hitler did surprisingly well. He was said to be an incredible public speaker, his ideas resonated with a ton of people, and radical change seemed like the only way forward. Additionally, Adolf was kind of a marketing whiz when it came to running his own campaign, thanks to his years spent as the head of propaganda for the German Workers' Party. His slogan was Hitler over Germany, which was actually a reference to his favorite method of promoting himself, putting a banner on an airplane and then flying the airplane around the country. <laughs> yeah, and th- this is uh, this is a surprising fact. Adolf Hitler was apparently one of the first politicians to use airplanes with banners attached to it for promotional purposes. Really? Yeah. 
that just wasn't a thing that people did probably because you know using an airplane was generally safe for war (laughs) (laughs) so i i don't think a lot of people really wanted to have an airplane flying over their country after just a couple years ago there were 660 tons of bombs falling out of them yeah unfortunately his opponent in the election was both more popular and better qualified. It turns out that unlike Hitler, he had some actual experience leading the country in a time of crisis. This man was none other than General Paul von Hindenburg, the other dickhead that screwed over Germany and then pretended that he had nothing to do with it. Awesome. Wonderful. Since he and Ludendorff had pulled off the scam of the century, General Hindenburg had become an incredibly successful politician. He was elected president of Germany in 1925 and then got re-elected in 1932, beating his closest opponent, Adolf, by over 20% of the votes. Um, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it's a pretty big deal. Uh, General or uh, President Hindenburg had like 50-something percent of the votes, and Adolf only had 30, which means that, you know, the rest of the votes went to other parties, so he still won by a pretty big fucking majority. Yeah. And at the time, the country really, really seemed to love President Hindenburg. In fact, in 1931, towards the end of his first term, Uh, A local place called the Zeppelin Company started constructing a huge commercial airship in his honor. They called this giant balloon filled with flammable gas the LZ-129 Hindenburg. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, I I realized that every time I read Hindenburg, I was like... (laughs) All I can think of is the Hindenburg disaster, which is that that is it. It's the fucking balloon that crashed into a fiery inferno. It was named after this asshole. Ugh. Also, by the way, if if anyone wanted to honor me and they chose a giant balloon filled with gas as the thing to name after me, I don't think I would be like <laughs> super complimented. You're like, no, thanks. However, despite his popularity, things were not going great in the capital. The German parliament was filled with politicians from the far left and the far right, and as we mentioned before, they couldn't agree on anything and nothing was getting done. And that's when a couple far-right politicians and business owners had an idea. The Nazi party held the most seats in parliament, but they didn't have enough for a majority. However, if you could convince the Nazis to see your side, you would have a majority. So they suggested appointing Adolf as the new chancellor because, you know, Adolf Hitler was generally known as a calm and reasonable dude (laughs) and not somebody that already tried to throw a coup. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, that's like if Trump got to be like secretary of state. Right? Yeah, like under Biden, though. Like, yes. like okay. after fucking, fucking January a. 6th. It doesn't make fucking any fucking a. sense. President Hindenburg was hesitant, but he figured that his last two appointees hadn't been able to get shit done. And even if Hitler went rogue, the Nazis didn't hold majority, so how bad could things really get? The answer was really fucking bad. Yeah, super bad. On January 30th, 1933, Adolf Hitler was appointed Chancellor of Germany. In order to fix the political stalemate, he suggested a new election, hoping that one party would end up on top. Oh no. However, a month before this election could take place tragedy struck the country again on february 27th 1933 the reichstag was burnt to the ground the building which housed the german parliament was set on fire by a dutch communist who was protesting the mistreatment of the working class and even though he acted alone hitler used this as fuel in the proverbial fire to prove that communists were dead set on ruining the country So he convinced President Hindenburg to sign the Reichstag Fire Decree, which suspended basic rights and allowed detainment without trial. Just days before the upcoming election, Adolf ordered his stormtroopers in the SA to officially disband the German Communist Party and arrested over 4,000 members. Jeez. Additionally, the arsonist was killed without having a proper trial. Mm. Despite the strong anti-communist propaganda and the arrests, the Nazi party wasn't able to achieve majority. However, 
they did come up with one hell of a solution. Obviously, the country was at risk, and a parliament unable to take action would not help. So they convinced President Hindenburg to sign the Enabling Act of 1933. The act would allow Germany's chancellor to implement laws without the consent of parliament for four years. No! (laughs) In order to keep things running smoothly. Ironically, the act also had to be approved by a majority vote from parliament itself. But Adolf had a plan for that too. On the day of the vote, he ordered the SA to arrest 81 communist members of parliament and to prevent the social democrats from making it to the meeting. With the help of his stormtrooper goon squad and a newfound majority, the enabling act was passed. Fuck. One of the first laws that Adolf passed was the law concerning the highest state office of the Reich. And this law stated that in the event of the president's death, the position would be terminated and all presidential powers would fall onto the chancellor. Convenient. Yeah, especially convenient since President Hindenburg died the very next day. Of course he did. Of suspicious causes? Uh, No, he died of lung cancer, but Adolf Hitler got a call or a telegram or whatever. He got word that, uh, uh, that President Hindenburg was about to die and he was like... Well, you know what we could do? And then put the law in right under the wire. Ah, fuck. After President Hindenburg died, Adolf Hitler became the supreme leader of Germany under a new title that he had invented himself. The Fuhrer. Adolf Hitler had effectively become the new legal dictator of Germany. Fuck. And, and this is obviously one of the worst things to happen in human history. It's very serious and it's very awful. But... It is kind of funny that a fire is what destroyed both Hindenburgs, huh? It's just yeah. kind of, it's kind <laughs> of funny, funny that both of them went down in a blaze of tragedy. Mm, so sad. Oh, the humanity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's doomed. That is, oh, no, the humanity. Yeah, I also just, every time I hear that phrase, I think, oh, the huge manatee. And I, uh, I fucking lose it. You think about time. that episode of Mansers? Oh, yeah, lose it. Yeah, of course. <laughs> After becoming the Fuhrer, Adolf realized that he still had a few loose ends to tie up. He needed to make sure that anyone who opposed him wouldn't try to take his new power away, especially since he planned to rule Germany until the day that he died. In fact, in an interview with a British correspondent, Adolf went on the record saying... At the risk of appearing to talk nonsense, I tell you that the Nazi movement will go on for 1,000 years. Don't forget how people laughed at me 15 years ago when I declared I would govern Germany. They laugh now, just as foolishly, when I declare I shall remain in power. Oh, yikes. Yeah. Yikes to my accent, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, totally fine with everything you just said. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Bad yeah. all around. Bad accent, bad everything. Yeah, Jesus. In order to keep the dream of the thousand-year Reich alive, he ordered his SA stormtroopers to round up anyone suspected of being a communist, as well as several other politically important people, and threw them into the first concentration camps. Many of the people who had helped Hitler expected to be praised and rewarded after he achieved absolute power. Among them were the other political parties and trade unions that had supported his policies. Unfortunately for them... Adolf saw them as a potential threat. By June of 1933, any group that wasn't the Nazi party was disbanded and outlawed, making the Nazis the only legal political party in all of Germany. Fuck. Adolf wanted to keep the illusion of legality alive, so he also held elections for German parliament, but the only candidates were Nazis and a few pro-Nazi guests. Violence or arrests were threatened to anyone who refused to vote for them. After securing his place as Germany's new dictator, the Fuhrer started preparing to fulfill his campaign promises. The country was secretly gearing up for war in order to take back the land that they believed was stolen from them. And to do this, Hitler needed the full support of the military. But that's when he ran into another problem. 
the German army was still weak from the punishments dictated by the Treaty of Versailles. Like we mentioned earlier, by law, they were only permitted to have less than 100,000 men. The SA, on the other hand, was made up of over 3 million soldiers and a small group of highly trained special ops known as the SS. Fuck. It was expected that Hitler would disband the military and hand over power to the SA. However, as we learned from World War I, it doesn't matter how many men you have if they don't have proper leadership. The German army may have been small, but they were made up of the best soldiers and generals that the country had to offer. They were the ones who made the cut. The idea that Hitler could replace them with a group of drunken, rowdy criminals deeply offended the leaders of the military, but also the leaders of the SA expected to be rewarded for all of their hard work. Forcing them to join the antiquated army felt like a slap in the face. So he basically just has two people on both sides yelling at him, asking him for a solution. Yeah. On June 30th, 1934, he invited the leaders of the SA to attend a meeting at the Hanselbauer Hotel. They arrived and celebrated what was sure to be their promotion to Germany's National Defense Force. Instead... When Adolf and the SS arrived, they were all arrested and immediately executed. Fuck. Over the next 48 Ugh. hours, 200 other senior officers of the SA were killed. In what is now known as the Night of the Long Knives, Hitler purged the leadership of the SA completely. I know I, I've heard about the Night of the Long Knives before, but every time I hear about it, I'm just like, Fucking, like, the level of just unbridled yeah. evil. <laughs> it's fucking, it's fucking I mean, it's the fucking scene from Breaking Bad where he, like, times out the, the mass, like, murder oh. of all those people. Yes. Yeah. I, the mm -hmm. important thing to note here is that all of these people, everyone who supports Hitler, they don't support the cause. They support the person. Everyone has pledged themselves in allegiance to Hitler, not to Germany, but to Adolf Hitler. But on the flip side, Adolf doesn't see anybody as an individual. They're just fucking a tool that's going to allow him to do something. He doesn't care about any of these people. They're just a fucking a, a means to an end. The last man to die in the Night of the Long Knives was a man named Ernest Röhm. Ernest had joined the German Workers' Party back in 1919, just before it became the Nazi Party. And not long after he joined, he met Adolf Hitler, and the two became very close friends. Back then, he was still a captain in the army, but at the request of his new best bud, he quit his post to lead the Meeting Hall Protection Detachment. In the early days, Ernest had been instrumental in building up the SA. He had convinced over 100,000 soldiers and veterans from other paramilitary groups to leave their posts and to fight for him and Hitler. During the Beer Hall coup, he fought front and center and even acted as Hitler's own bodyguard. He served time in prison for, for following Hitler in the Beer Hall coup. He, he was there. He's like a fucking day one dude. Yeah. As Adolf rose through the ranks, people started to notice him and Ernest's strange relationship. While speaking to Hitler, you were supposed to use the formal German word for you, which is C. Instead, Ernest used the informal do. While everyone else referred to Hitler only as Mein Führer, Ernest somehow got away by referring to him by his nickname, which was Addy. Which also, the fucking balls on this guy, right? To, to walk up to Adolf Hitler and just be like, hey, yo, what's up, Addy? <laughs> yeah, it's like walking up to uh, Mussolini and just being like, what's good, Benny boy? <laughs> what's good, Mr. Raviolis? <laughs> like, whatever nickname you want to give Mussolini. <laughs> <sighs> While everyone else in the SA and the Nazi party treated Adolf like the German messiah he claimed to be, Ernest never really fell under the spell. He believed that the Nazis were the only viable option for implementing socialism in Germany. But Ernest's refusal to treat Hitler like some kind of god wasn't the only thing that set him apart from most men in the SA. Ernest Röhm was gay. And maybe not openly gay, because being gay at the time was super frowned upon, especially yeah. by the Nazis. But to those who knew him closely, it wasn't really a secret. And one of the people who knew this about him 
was Adolf Hitler himself. Right. And I'm not telling you this stuff to like humanize the guy because I want you to remember he's still a massive piece of shit. He facilitated the illegal arrests and executions of countless people and willingly helped the Nazis seize power. But my point is, is that he and Hitler weren't just co-workers. They were friends. Yeah. And maybe that's why when he was arrested, Adolf didn't allow him to die in the street or by firing squad. Instead, Ernest was arrested and thrown into prison. And after a ton of convincing from his cronies, Hitler finally signed off on his execution, but with one very strange caveat. He was going to give Ernest the chance to commit suicide rather than to be executed by the SS. On July 1st, 1934, two SS officers entered his cell and handed him a pistol with a single bullet loaded in the chamber. They told him he had 10 minutes to kill himself or else they would do it for him. Ernest spit in their faces and spoke his last words. Quote, if I am to be killed, let Adolf do it himself. Ooh, but yeah, though, because it's like, I, I am your friend. I have been your friend. And if you are going to make this kind of a decision, nut up and do it yourself. Like actually yeah. make it because don't hide behind your army, essentially. Exactly. Yeah. Ten minutes went by and no gunshot was heard, so the officers returned. Standing in the center of his cell, shirtless, with his chest puffed out in a sign of defiance, was Ernest Rome. The two officers shot and killed him, bringing an end to the S.A. The public was shocked to learn about the murders, but their new Fuhrer calmed them down by quoting his old mentor. When it comes to returning Germany to greatness, the ends justify the means and that is where we will pick up with part five of our series on adolf hitler and the nazi party fuck oh yeah oh god again i don't want to i'm not trying to humanize ernest rome and i definitely don't want to say like oh he was a good guy because he's not but what a fucking badass way to die right yeah yeah i mean i I think it it says more about Hitler's desire for power at any cost and completely abandoning anyone who helped get him there in his mind, truly the ends justify the means. And if he's willing to be that cruel and uncaring to people who are allegedly his friends, then yeah. Imagine what he's going to do to people that he has already expressed some dislike for. Obviously. Exactly. Yeah. He didn't see any of these people as individuals. They're just tools for him to do this thing. And all of these people are like vying for his approval and his attention and his love. Uh, And then when things start to go wrong, they're fucked. And suddenly all these people just have to come to terms with like, oh, fuck. Oh, no, it was all wrong because he doesn't care about you. He'll do whatever it takes to make himself the king of fucking the world for a thousand years. He doesn't care. (sighs) It's fucked up. I was fucked up. It is fucked up. But as soon as I heard that story, I was like, that is the perfect fucking thematic end to this goddamn episode. Yeah. He killed the entire SA after everything. This whole episode is about how the SA basically put him in power. Yeah. And they could have they could have taken him out of power. That's why that's mostly why he decided to take them out is because he just mm-hmm. couldn't allow that to happen. Yeah. So thank you everyone for joining us for this very heavy ending to an episode um and i'm gonna say hey if you want to support the show uh drink a coke and be lucky go to your (laughs) go to your local gas station and just start drawing swastikas on cokes dude no don't do that don't please don't do that uh that that is very scary for a lot of people who might randomly encounter those cokes uh so especially me (laughs) yeah don't do it (laughs) Yeah, I would I would very much appreciate that. No, if you if you seriously want to support the show, consider uh, donating to our Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash cult podcast. Check out all the tiers that we have there. Uh, Omicron has caused a, a couple of uh, supply chain issues, but we're still getting those shirts because they're at the printer um, and some of our other merch as well. You know what's funny is that every time there's a flare up in COVID cases, it becomes stupid hard to get prayer candles <laughs> that's true that's the one thing that's the worst supply chain one it is a very fun correlation between every time i have to go get prayer candles and covid flares up and i'm just like oh fuck cool awesome <laughs> 
So, yeah. Just very, very funny. Uh, also, if you want to uh, uh, listen to the show somewhere new, can we suggest Rooster Tea? Cock-a-doodle-doo. Yeah. Hey, go to roosterteeth.com or download the app on your Amazon Fire Stick, your Roku television, your Xbox, your mobile device, all those cool places, and listen to all the great shows that they have there, including our own. Um, and uh, hey, if you want to find me on social media, Armando Torres, uh, you can do so at Mondo Does Stuff. That's M-A-N-D-O Does Stuff, all one word on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Um, I've got some shows coming up, I think. I mean, they might be canceled because, listen, I don't want to put anyone at risk, especially myself. So uh, if it becomes too unsafe to do these shows, I'm not going to do them. But if you want to keep up to date on where I'm going to be, uh, the best place to follow me is on Instagram. And that is, again, Mondo Does Stuff. Uh, M-A-N-D-O does stuff. Thank you so much. I love you. Bye. Hey, it's your girl, Paige Wesley. I'm here every week. Uh, I don't have shows coming up. I'm a bundle of blankets and breads. Uh, I am back in full pandemic mode, just chilling out with my piles of toilet paper and dreams. And it's all good. Uh, but if you want to follow me on social media, you can do that at Page Wesley on Twitter or at Rampage Wesley on Instagram and TikTok. Uh, bunch of fun stuff on Instagram. I don't post a lot on TikTok, but people tag me in a lot of stuff. So that's kind of fun. So, yeah. And hey, if you want to follow the show on Instagram, you can uh, at Colt Podcast. Or at Colt Podcast Show on Twitter. You can also send us an email to coltpodcastshow at gmail.com. Or if you want to send us your handwritten manuscript from prison <laughs> or your luckiest cokes ideally they don't have swastikas on them yeah uh, ideally can, but not necessarily ideally ideally please don't put swastikas on things uh <laughs> you can send that to 3756 west avenue 40 sweet k number 237 like, like the shining. shining los angeles california 90065 and I think for this one, I'm going to say don't drink swastika cokes. <laughs> swastika cokes. Don't drink swastika cokes. Yeah. And don't drink the Kool-Aid. Bye. Bye. Yeah. <laughs>